Hi, welcome to the visual effects commentary for RoboJocks. My name is Paul Gentry. I was the visual effects director of photography and associate effects director. And my name is Mark Rappaport, and I was the mechanical supervisor and puppeteer, uh, one of the puppeteers. And uh, my company is called Creature Effects Inc. And my name is Paul Jessel, and I was the lead animator for the picture. This is a sequence that we shot very early on in 1986 that we used to later uh, try and get the additional financing to complete the film. Um, and uh, it was just basically a huge 40-foot long table about 20 feet deep. And um, all the model work you see here was mostly set up by Tom Sherman, who was a model guy uh, who was infamous for being able to put together very inexpensively uh, these types of scenes. In fact, a lot of the stuff you're looking at is probably kitchen Tupperware <laughs> and other things repurposed from the store um, that he was able to use and create this. Uh, at the end here, we're seeing uh, basically, every, this whole scene is shot in slow motion and um, some of the, and all the pyro work here was done by uh, pyro artist Joe Viscozel. And um, these early, uh, the, I think these early robo models were designed by Kevin Altieri. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yes. Kevin Altieri. And uh, I don't think he's credited in the film for that. And this live action was not included in that original footage. They had to shoot this later. This is, uh, this is part of one of Kevin's designs, early designs that we used. This is also the only stop motion in the movie that I actually myself animated uh, that wasn't animated by... Uh, either Paul Jessel or David Allen. Again, all this live stuff was shot later once the film got its uh, financing. Here comes the, now there's a stop mo shot, live action. I think this is a great opening sequence and made me want to work on the film when I saw this. Is this just smoke filled in order to get that? Exactly. Atmospheric. Right. The whole room was uh, smoked up, fogged up. And uh, it's always a trick with that kind of stuff, uh, if, particularly if you're doing stop motion, um, keeping the smoke levels consistent. But fortunately, we're shooting it all slow-mo live action, so it looked great. And here's all the footage that was shot in Italy. Uh, what? Cinecita? Cinecita? Studios in Italy, which is where all the live action was shot. So, well, you know, I was telling Paul Gentry that we worked for two years in, in, in Burbank in a model department working on the, the different models, the different scale models for the robots, and we didn't even realize there was a live action sequence going on and that they were shooting in Italy. We thought it was, was going to be mostly just about our robots and David Allen and Paul Gentry and Paul Jessel bring them to life. Right. So we, a lot of the stuff you're going to see in the next battle sequence, uh, it was a period of time to set this up, uh, and the, design, the, the decision was made by David, uh, per the requirements of the film, to shoot everything as much as possible uh, live action on actual locations, which is a decision fraught with peril, <laughs> as we encountered out in the desert. We were out at El Mirage Dry Lake Bed, and... Um, 
we had to set up a huge 40 by 40 foot table and the silo and, but there was an amazing blend uh, for a forced perspective set like that with the background, it's pretty seamless. It was, I love going, I mean, to me that was classic camera work. You had the, the cameras out there, you had the dry lake bed, you had all the people out there, you know, from early morning till the golden hour, just before uh, it changed to darkness. And it was, we're working as a team. There's a whole group of us out there, day in and day out, and fighting the elements. And it was, uh, to me, it was one of my favorite experiences. And I've been doing this now for 25 years. I worked on Lone Ranger, just worked with uh, Inuritu Gonzalez on uh, Revenant, and 300, and I Am Legend, but I still really enjoyed that whole process with Robojocks. Yeah, it was unique uh, for, in my career, too. Uh, and certainly the, the whole crew was, uh, there was certain camaraderie, uh, uh, trying to get the shots we need to get, fighting the elements and the wind and rain, and uh, which would shut us down sometimes. Or we'd, we'd show up on location, we couldn't even shoot that day. So we had to uh, put off whatever we were shooting that day the next day. Uh, and, you know, we're, uh, Joe, when he was doing the pyro, you know, wind is obviously not always a friend. And you'll see in some of the, li the uh, behind-the-scenes footage, uh, the multiple takes, what the wind would do on some uh, shots where you have the robot landing and it's, the smoke is bellowing out the back and suddenly it comes over the front and completely envelops everything. You don't see anything, you know. Uh, the wind had to be just right, and uh, we had no control over it. So, um. And I, talking about Joe Vescozel, Joe had worked on some the biggest blockbusters of the time, doing huge explosions. And Including huge, the Death Star in Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah, very famous. And here that. he was out working with us in the desert with these uh, small explosions. Everything had to be miniaturized because you had different scales of models as well. And uh, it was I was just great working with these people. Yeah, he had a, you're right. He, he had to deal with all these different scales and some of the stuff really really difficult to do, but Joe was like probably one of the most enthusiastic members of the crew. I mean, pyro guys don't really, you know, need much of an excuse to blow up things. And, you know, they, they love what they do, and he was really great at it and great working with. He was uh, totally into it and uh, uh, enjoyed what he did tremendously. And we enjoyed, uh, we were just a bunch of kids out there really watching this stuff going on. And it's like, oh boy, we're doing a shot with Joe. You know, that was a very exciting uh, idea or prospect, you know. And to be part of, be there right on set with these explosions, everything miniaturized. Yeah. It was really exciting. We had, it was just, it was a great, another great David moment, David Allen moment, uh, you know, where you're learning, watching, I'm being a part of. And David Allen, for me, on this film, I had left K&B, who had been working on Armies of Darkness, and I, you know, went over to them because David offered me, you know, a more, a more interesting part of the job, be more involved and at the same time more inclusive. I less money, but more a responsibility, and I really enjoyed it. And David was always there to help you get through the moment, saying, oh, "I really look I need this. Can you bring me this? Can you get this for me?" And I, this would be so great if we had this in the film, and uh, it really made me feel like I was part of a film. David was a very inc uh, inclusive uh, uh, employer and friend, and he it didn't matter where you, what your position was on the crew. He, um, you were just as important in his eyes, and, uh, and you were treated respectfully. And uh, it was very much a, you know, a wonderful collaboration working with him. And, uh, and Dave himself was uh, a very funny guy and often made very witty, funny comments. And so you couldn't help but really want to work with him, David, repeatedly on, on, on multiple projects, which I did. I was fortunate enough to do that. Um, uh, Paul, what are your thoughts? Um, well, how did you come uh, working for Dave? 
I loved working for Dave. This uh, film for me was like a, a breakthrough project. Uh, well, first of all, I, I collect toy robots, and stop-motioning robots was like a, a dream job come true. Uh, and I learned so much uh, working with Dave and Paul, the other Paul. Uh, <laughs> I did some of my first uh, Ray Harryhausen-type split screens with the robot in live action, rear-projected. Uh, and uh, Paul Gentry taught me everything I know about lighting during the job. So by the end of the... Uh, and yet your stuff still looked good. <laughs> yeah. By the end of the stop-motion shoots... Uh, I was setting, doing my own setups and lighting, and Dave would just stop in at the end of the day and check it out before I shot for real. Well, and not only did we have the live action, but then in the studio you had, you were using, I think, photographs. We were using still photographs that, that we'd shot on two and a quarter negatives, blown ups against, as backgrounds. We had, and there were some process. Wasn't there some process, or did we ever use process? I don't think we ever used process. Well, we used, we, we used the standard rear projected Live action and the split when we so had we to could do split that. In the, there were yeah, a lot we did of quite a bit of that, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, there weren't. But any mostly, you were using, I think, still blow-ups as background. I think, I think at that point, Dave was kind of enamored of, of doing, yeah, of using that, that. I think that was uh, background projection because the I think we used we used clouds and there was yeah I I, I know yeah, and there's that picture of you and me and Stuart standing right, in front right. of us. We had still great background. big blow-ups that we used, not not transparencies. Later on, yeah, he was into transparencies, but yeah, we had big C prints. Yeah, right, exactly. When yeah. the robots walked over camera and so forth. When he did that, there was a, it was a big sky shot mm -hmm. that was on a still. Yeah. yeah, it was a still. Yeah. yeah. Now, is it true that you worked, I would walk in and you guys, at nighttime would be, you had a night work. You would work because it was hot during the day, so you go into David's studio and there would be set up and you guys would start at night and work through the, uh, all night long until the morning. Is that kind of how it was set up or was it varied? In? I don't think we worked all night. Okay. Uh, I don't no, remember. I don't recall that. Okay. Uh, Except there, the first, the first part of the shoot, uh, when it was, we were working 16 hours, seven days a week to do that opening uh, sequence, you know. Uh, but after that, the hours got a little more reasonable. But I don't know. But what were you? How many hours a day were you working, Paul? I think I was working 10 or 12 hours a day, and some of the long shoots were. And and Paul was doing a shots week and that a half were yeah, long. right a week and a half long and then, you know I worked on Coraline and we were able to use frame grabbers very elaborate ones these days where you could check the last frame you shot the night before and the first frame in the morning and see if there's the the, the set had shifted and all this kind of, but in those days you had no control over that yet I don't remember seeing humongous amounts of set shift during shots so I think we just got lucky uh, maybe the fates were just aware of this. So they just were more accommodating yeah, than yeah. now that we have the technology. They're not as forgiving. I don't know. Right. I, I you would have expected to see the yeah. set how, shift. Um, how many seconds would you work all night long? How many seconds of a shot would you would you get during a whole night long or oh, you know, all day long, a twelve-hour shoot? Depended on the shot, of course. But uh, the worst one was uh, sixteen frames a day for a, a week and a half straight, and. Uh, one of the advantages we had was Dave was using a, uh, a voltage regulator that, uh, yeah, that. Yeah, that's we true. can check yeah. the voltage on the lights a and it continuously, yeah, yeah, a variac. That's right. That way there wouldn't be any voltage change between the lights on one day to the next. We're coming up on the first battle here, and that was the gantry. Uh, that was the full-size robot. 
uh, that was seen earlier, and uh, that was an optical shot of him going up, the blue screen shot of him going up the uh, oh. elevator, and the background was all was uh, shot on the full, well, full size is relative. How big were those full size robots? Were like what, around four or five feet tall? No, the the yeah, they were about, I would say, five feet tall. Yeah. So they were a decent size. They were uh, almost as big as I was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, one thing. Oh, here we go. Here's, the, this training, is... the training sequences at the beginning were originally uh, slated to have stop-motion robots of a smaller scale that the uh, fighters would be in to train with, and they just didn't have the money to do it. We're about to see a shot that you also saw in uh, Pacific Rim. That's right. Oh, yeah. Of the, uh, <laughs> where the, when the Waldos are turned on and, and he does the fist-to-fist -fist move. Uh, so we, we, we did get some uh, people who obviously were a little bit influenced by this earlier uh, robot uh, transformer effort. This was a very daring idea to do in the day because, you know, uh, we didn't have, there was no, no CG in, in the course of this movie and all had to be done with models and we had to, again, working with live action, we were working with stop motion, you know, there's all these inside, outside, and it's a mix of techniques to make it all work in the day because the, otherwise known as the practical visual effects area, era. So, here we go. Open her up. Open her up. That was shot in Italy. They built those full size. It's actually a pretty good job. And uh, the the robots, these robots were designed by Ron Cobb and uh, Steve Berg. I'm not sure how they shared the design uh, uh, responsibilities, but. Uh, I know you could definitely tell the difference between a Ron Cobb and a Steve yeah. Berg design. Right. Because I remember looking at the blueprints and see, we had blown, blown them up to be, you know, six foot pieces that we could uh, then copy off of and look at and try to match to. This is a blue screen shot that was yeah, shot a pretty in, good one. in Italy. Yeah. But so, uh, we assume the guys are behind that uh, outhouse or whatever it is sitting there. Uh, <laughs> but that was always a problem with the miniature sets was trying to put people in them. You know, today digitally that's a very easy thing to do, but back then not so easy. There is a shot, you can see way, way in the background there, and you can see it in the Blu-ray probably. The, the couple of our guys were in orange suits walking. So to give it, did you, did you notice that? Yes, of course. I think that was Mitch and one of the other guys put those on. Yeah. So good. And those I are think the, it also could have been Roy Good. Could have been Roy, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we need to acknowledge our crew here at some point. But right. uh, this is all done on the desert location. The fist hit was the first stop motion shot I did for this movie. Right. I love that fist hit. Yeah, it's great. Oh, and there's, there's more of our crew standing in the background. Mm -hmm. And there's the... I think Jurgen was in it as well. I think he stood, was stood in the background as well. Jurgen, Jurgen Heitman, mm -hmm. yeah. Who later on went, went to work for Rick Baker. Uh, and worked for Rick for, I think, 10 years. Quite a long time before yeah. Rick retired, yeah. Mm -hmm. And really became one of the premier mechanical effects artists. Yeah. More Jovis Gozel uh, mm -hmm. pyro and stop motion. Yeah. Uh, this was the second shot I did. <laughs> You know, one other thing with the stop motion, there were little pieces were constantly breaking off. So I'd come in and uh, start re-gluing them. Dennis Gordon and I would, you know, be constantly on top of trying to fix these. Mm -hmm. these things, because the small stop motion robots were very thin plastic. By the way, in terms of lighting dynamic range, you see that actually in the live action that Mark Alberg, I believe, shot. You see, they have a, they have a problem, too, in getting the same kind of light values we were getting uh, on a real location. 
Uh, that's all, that's kind of the giveaway, I think, a lot of times. It's just the lighting uh, yes. contrast ratios and all that. that Those three shots obvious. David Allen did. I think these were displays and things were done by Kevin Kuchaver at uh, Visual Concept Engineering at Pete Grant's company. Now, one of the main uh, hardworking uh, effects artists out on set was named Roy Good. And I think, I believe Roy was there doing every aspect of the, uh, as far as the, uh, the helping to motivate the robots on set, fixing the stages, doing the platform, the dirt. You know, one thing after another, Roy was there all the time. Yeah, he was. And he was charged with the task of fixing the ref loader when it was hanging on a nine-point wire right. rig, rigid <laughs> in space, and it suddenly just fell level to the ground and, and shattered into a million pieces. Mm -hmm. We just couldn't believe it, you know? It looked like it was like gremlins with scissors at every every point of wire, nine wires that suddenly went at once. Now that little mirror, I put a servo in so they could pop that mirror up. Actually, was oh, that right? Mechanically, mm -hmm. for the full-size robot. Yeah, more stop motion. I think is that your shot, Paul? Yes, that is too. Two. This is two pieces. Uh, it was a foreground and a background. Yeah, those were matted. Those were mad. The, yeah, fore the yeah. foreground was shot separate from the background of that shot, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was told that was sort of the Slim Pickens, Dr. Strangelove character that we have in our movie. <laughs> now, this was made by Harvey uh -huh. Mayo. Uh, he did the miniature of this, and he did a beautiful job. Yeah, he did great. You, this is hanging by wire and uh, the ref floater going by, and it's just, it was on a, on a boom arm rig, and it, just was, it could be just smooth as a baby's bottom. It was, uh, we used it for the, Scenes where There's the robot, where Achilles yeah, flies back to Earth and crash lands. Mm -hmm. And David Allen yeah. showed us how to use titanium wire to make this ultra thin, unseen, on, but also very strong. Right. It helped it was moving too. Yes. The, the, just blur yeah. helped to dis make it disappear. Watch for that kick. He's tricky. Live action. More live action out in the desert. Stop motion. Stop motion. <laughs> Live action out in the desert. Yeah, it's really great. Oh, we always loved it when the robot would, uh, you know, impact with the ground or cry, and the dust would go flying in, in, in slow-mo. It just was great. Did you dress the uh, uh, dust? We did, to, to try and get the most out of that. You know? Fuller's Earth, yeah. Mm -hmm. if, now they tell us full of, you can't, you know, Fuller's Earth is so dangerous. And, yes. <laughs> and they were blowing that stuff around actors and stuff back in the day. That's true. Back to uh, on. Well, you know, David also worked at ILM, and he learned a lot of the you know the wonderful miniature techniques from right. Peterson. And you know, he brought at least he, for us, he brought it back and said, "Yeah, well, this is what they're doing at ILM right now. Let's just try this." And, and we did, and it was great. Here's more. Anything to relate here to the, Paul about the animation? Uh, obviously, the uh, black robot. I, what inspired me, as far as animation goes, uh, was the uh, robots from Lost in Space and uh, Forbidden Planet. Especially Forbidden Planet, which had all those ball-type arms that the Alexander robot has. This is one of Joe's, uh, Viscozel's favorite shots when the robot falls into the bleachers. There's actually a little piece of debris that bounces at camera. Oh, they cut no, it. No, they, they cut it. Remember that. it bounced at the camera? Yeah, and it, it was bounced perfect. It, went, it was a perfect bounce back, but it was cut so you don't see it. <laughs> Now, 
That's the great thing about you know doing these things live is is the random element you know when you do pyro and you know you you don't you just don't know what you're going to get. We did a lot of zero g explosions too, where the camera's looking straight up. We're shooting high speed, slow motion. The pyro is set on a wire across two big posts, and where the camera's looking straight up, and the explosion goes over the top of the camera, and it looks fantastic. But but there are no two that are the same. Mark, what kind of plastic was, were those, uh, the skins of the robots cast out of? Well, you know, we did a, a two-part plastic, and back in the day, it was, uh, you know, it was a, two liquids that you mixed together and poured in and, and hardened up. But a lot of it, we used different types, feather light for the bigger pieces, that, but they broke easy when they were feather light. So we had a uh -huh. lot of issues with um, the plastics. And then and the sun would also take its toll on them, made them brittle. Oh, that's right. Now, how about Tibor? Tibor, was, was he part of the armature maker? Yes, Tibor made the um, uh, aircraft aluminum armatures for the uh, interior of the stop-motion robots, and then they were covered with your plastic castings for all the detail. Yeah, I remember him, those, those stop-motion pieces being just wonderful. They were nice. Um, the problem with the robots... As models were, they were very heavy and yeah, very were, big for yes. a stop motion. Very big for a stop motion model. Uh, we I were trying to that. figure out before we got in here. They, we think they're around 22 inches tall, and they were so heavy that they would not hold their own weight in certain positions. A, right? Yeah. Well, if you w if you wanted to make them walk, they wouldn't stand on one foot. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. you need to do in a walk, obviously, or whatever. And uh, I came up with the idea of hanging counterweights over a C-stand pole, and basically it would. There were wires that were tied to the shoulders of the robot. They went up and over the pole on, on the C-stand with uh, heavy. I forget what they were. They were brass bushings or something from some. That's right. I remember Army surplus store. Dave had a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> and um, that basically took the weight off the robot's feet so we could make them walk. And uh, the first time I pulled that stunt was uh, on uh, Ghoulies uh, 2 for Empire Pictures and David, where the puppets were really even bigger than that, but they were had, they just had aluminum wire armatures, and they wouldn't hold on their feet either. Ooh, that's they would rough. fall over. No oh, armature. Were, yeah, aluminum wire is oh, not. Yeah. yeah, they had to replace the armature after each shot. Yeah. That was just oh, a God. bear. Yeah. <laughs> And we come back in, and because, those, like you said, those models were big and heavy, the pieces were plastic were, were thin and, and easily broken and chipped. And yeah. Yeah, well, one of the, well, you'll see later on when um, Alexander gets in his four-legged robot, that monster was just huge and really heavy, and we had to tighten the joints down so hard that, the stainless steel washers in between the uh, parts of the joints would actually shatter like glass, uh, <laughs> just because of the. the yeah, those, that was the hardest thing. of the puppets oh. for you to deal with, just by. And you used a lot of counterbalance weights on those, yeah. especially. But uh, and then they broke once, right? Yeah, that that was uh, the shot where uh, uh, I think it's Athena comes up in the robot and try, tries to fight Alexander herself. That shot where the, she comes up out of the pit and starts walking, one of the counterweights broke and hit the big pod on the back of the robot and shattered it. And we had to, we had to 
guess with our surface gauges where it was. And you had no way, like a visual way to, no, to tell. No, no. If yeah, you yeah. look at it towards the it end of the shot, there's a little pop, but it's not too bad. But it shattered that pod, and we had to glue it all back together again. It was like, oh, my God. And it's still like that today. I mean, the, the, the guy who collected it or now owns the, the model, it's, it's still shattered, so it's... Yeah. <laughs> I remember David would take me in and show me the joints. He said, we, and he goes, look, if we just do a little bit of sandpaper in the ball, that way it'll give it a little bit of uh, tactile so we can lock it down a little bit harder. But it was def it was always a battle, a fight, because we, between the grease to smooth it out to the mm -hmm. roughing it up for it to grab the ball, yeah. it was one thing after another. Except yeah. for the weight factor, these models were on yeah. a par with, you know, I worked on RoboCop 2 and a lot of these, they have some amazing a miniature work done on those. And these held up to that uh, in oh, terms yeah. visually, yeah. which is, of course, one of the most important things. I mean, it may be of temporary inconvenience to the guy having to have to animate it, but it, it, they look fantastic. They, you know? yeah. they, they move smoothly, but they took a lot of effort to move, especially the four-legged robot. I mean, I averaged 16 frames a day shooting that sucker. And uh, one thing that made it even more complex was uh, David Allen came up with this uh, uh, scheme to simulate blurring in stop-motion animation, whereby we did multiple right. exposures on one frame of film. Mm -hmm. So one frame was the equivalent of four frames. Right. Because we had to strobe the legs. Well, so of the literally, it's like a three-way uh, double exposure. Yeah, yeah. Which creates, a, yeah, just which overlaps. Creates, yeah, which creates a strobe. Not a perfect blur, but uh, but when it runs at real time, it, it, it has looks the feeling like a of a blur. Yeah. yeah, and you'll especially see it if you really look for it uh, when the four-legged robot walks over the camera. You'll see a bit of a strobe on the legs. There's Stuart in the background. He's the bartender. Yeah. Oh, probably yeah. told that. That's yeah. right. He probably mentioned that in his commentary. I'm sure. <laughs> Who? How many stop-motion animators worked on the film? Uh, David, me, and I think one other for one shot. And, of course, Paul Gentry. Of course, we don't count him. Yeah, yeah. He's not in the, in the union. That's an easy dismiss, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it just seemed like yes, I, I am. How long did... And, how long was it in David's shop doing the, the stop motion? Because it seemed like I was, it was there for forever. You guys are working on it in, the, in his shop. Yeah. It was forever. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we touch on? Did you illuminate the whole process of building the robots and the and the, working with the designers and all those guys? Well, you know, and, I, I didn't and where you came in on that. Yeah, I think um, you talked a little bit about it. But. A little bit about it, but you know, my experience and what happened with me is like that shop had already been together for almost a year, and then there was changeover. People had been leaving. People had had you know uh, things had been. Uh, it gets in, a, in any family. There's a lot. There's always a, kind of a, a good and bad moments. And I think I came in just as the bad moment was emptying for a group. I came in. I started helping out. Uh, there, I started doing mechanics. I'd worked at uh, Chris Wallace's and ILM doing some basic mechanics. And then I came down to KNB was doing the same thing. And then I, I went over to David's to see what I could do to help out with mechanically. And uh, ended up uh, working in that model shop for about a year. And it was a, you know, there was great people there working on that. Uh, there was also, you say Ron Thornton was there. Is yeah, Ron yes. Thornton later on went to do Babylon 5 and other things. Right. His foundation imaging company. He was would be here today if he wasn't in Vienna, Austria, right at the moment. Um, now, when, we, when they built the robots, the original 
detailed parts of the robots, the, the, the masters, they were carved from wood and detailed? Well, and who did that? It's, that's a really good point. And there's a, there was two different thoughts. And Dennis Gordon, who had worked with many excellent Disney creators for, who had worked on Disney shows, very, all the, all, yeah, really talented all, guy. Really talented. All, his sculptures it, or his wood carvings yes. are mm-hmm. freaking yeah. amazing. And you might have seen him at the theme parks, actually. So you had the Ron Thornton, which was a new technique to new materials, and you had Dennis Gordon, who had more of an artistic vision of in a, the old Disney style and ways using wood. And it really wasn't one, way, one wasn't better than the other. We, the, if you're good at wood, you could do beautiful work doing wood. If you're good at plastics and doing uh, plastic, um, you know, plastic construct and doing molds off of that, that like Ron Thornton, that was a great way of doing. But, but there you, was a, there you was, used. Use those wooden things, yes. those wooden parts that would hundreds were of beautiful. Parts. Yeah, yes. I mean they were just a, a, a wood carver's masterpiece. Yes. Each of these little parts, and you made molds from those, and yes. I, I assume parts that Ron mm-hmm. Thornton right. made from plastic and molds from right. those. Right, we I was hundreds of both styles, depending mm-hmm. on who was working on what. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of the molds for years, but there were so many. Uh, Dennis Gordon couldn't keep them anymore. He asked me to hold on to them. It was so. Uh, it was. Paul, it was so a shame because there were so many, so many moments. <laughs> Envious moment. Yeah. So, um, so what? I mean. What, and then, what, and then, it, uh-huh. it, it, those things were, the robots were essentially big, expensive heavy, model kits. Exactly. So they had they could cast up these parts by the dozens if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Dozens. Um, and Aren't and then the casted parts were bolted on over aluminum armatures or some kind of armatures right. so, depending on the size mm-hmm. of the robot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could probably use materials today that would be much lighter than you was could, available then, right? Yeah, you know what, and we also 3D printing has made that yeah, change in the whole yeah. world. So sure has. Because 3D printing, you know, they can work 24 hours a day, those machines, and they, they are 10 times as fast as the old ways. But I have to say that it was great to be there for it, to see yeah. it, to watch these very talented people work on it. Um, it's fantastic. You were ta- uh, what did Ron do in the film? You were she ta- talking about, or he was he was in making molds for the. Do you remember? You're talking about uh, Ron Thornton. Ron, yeah, was Ron he, Thornton his, was. It was he had brought his model people in, and they were making a lot of molds, uh, doing it their way, doing it out of plastic. You know, so you'd have these uh, great prop pieces that we'd mold later with silicone molds, and then you had. Uh, Dennis Gordon doing them out of wood and saying this is the way to go and you know but it really depends on who was good at what and and Dave Dave uh, Dennis was great at wood and Ron was great at plastics and they both were wonderful pieces and at different scales keeping track of having all the scale models in one area we had this huge facility just to hold, just to keep track of where everything went together because it was very confusing you had so many I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of molds by the way this facility we were actually two facilities we had Dave's normal mm-hmm. shop over on was it uh, was that oak? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maine, oak? Maine and Oak. That's Maine right. and Oak, and then we had a, a rented facility on on Victory, right next door to Image Engineering with that's Peter right. Chesney's mm-hmm. company. But at that brick building, uh, there's a moment in the first Back to the Future film where Marty comes out of the shed and goes by the uh, Burger King there, and, on the, and grabs the back of the truck, goes on the street, and the camera pans over, and at the very end, you see the <laughs> brick building where we were shooting RoboJocks in Back to the Future. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, when I first saw the movie, I was like, what? Uh, you know, but anyway, totally had to mention that. Oh, speaking of David's studio, he uh, has or had a building in uh, Burbank on Oak, is it? 
Yeah. And, and uh, that's where you were doing most right, of your that's stuff. That's where I was right. doing most of the stop motion. And during my stop motion shoots there, something happened that I don't think ever has happened in the history of stop motion. I got rained out. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that the roof was so leaky and there was so much water on the floor when it was raining one day that I didn't want to become electrocuted with all the cables and stuff on the floor. So I wisely decided not to shoot that day. It could be dangerous working at Dave's place. There could yes. be times you're taking your life in your hands. Some of the equipment would short out. and It was very old, but work workable stuff, you know. But uh, I remember setting the uh, wires at, a, at his previous facility on fire when I plugged too many lights in. But that was <laughs> at, a, at a place near NBC. Where we did the daytime ended, but that's another whole other discussion. And, you know, I believe another person who was really important, even though in her, her own way she was, uh, it was uh, interesting working with her, was Donna Littleford. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was there. She was always had David's back. And yeah. it was a great crew. It was a great group. And uh, as any group that, you know, they have their moments. But, uh, I, you know, those she deserves a mention as well. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Great. Absolutely, Donna. Yeah, she was great. I actually have her in some of the video. I was like, oh, my God, there's Donna back in the day, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she was great and she, I think more than a secretary. She, no, she yeah. ran. She was an accountant. She was well, uh, Yeah. She was a lot of things for David. And, she uh, ran the outfit as yeah. far as the keeping track of the money, keeping track of the bills and so she forth. She was the hub yep. around was, David mm -hmm. Allen Productions. Very concerned and, yeah. Yeah. And a voice of reason often. Yes. Often. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, is this Anna Maria's first film? So she was doing features at this point. Later okay. on, I think she went to do television. Because um, I know she didn't want to do nudity, but they ended up having a nude scene with her, in it, but she was un unsure about whether to do it. We yeah. were originally, it was supposed to be mm -hmm. Vanessa Williams. Really? Vanessa Williams was up uh, and almost took the role. Mm -hmm. That would have been a different yeah. kind of a thing going on there. This is over. I wanted to learn the secret of the great Achilles. But you just talk about luck and fear. There's nothing you can teach me except how to lose. The one thing about working on the desert location, um, after a while, we got to be very savvy about what our chances were working with Mother Nature. And But we'd see other groups come out. We saw Sigfried and Roy coming out in their limo. We'd see the Judds, and they were trying to shoot music videos and things. And they put up sets and things, and these things were always being blown over. <laughs> I mean, it, we would laugh because we know what these uh, poor fools were going to be up against because we were up against it every day. So that was always kind of amusing to see another group, another film. It was a very popular filming location. You have seen El Mirage, Dry Lake Bed, and a bazillion car commercials, mm -hmm. even to this day. To this day. It's, it's like Vasquez Rocks. It's one of those popular near L.A. locations that everyone shoots at if they, have a, if they need that kind of a backdrop. And for us, it was ideal because it was so flat, you know, that you could, we could put a table out there and the, and the blends would, uh, with the forced perspective foreground uh, platform were just seamless. And Dave would bring his camper out there and he'd spend the night so he'd be ready fresh in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, we had a, we'd also had, uh, we'd, out, we'd spend the night some, every once in a while as well. It was, uh, you know, it was a real commitment to do this film, even, uh, and it became a, it became friends working on a film together. It, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, everybody was great and, and fun to work with on that.
There's a great quote uh, that was in Cinefix, or not Cinefix, Cinefantastic. Uh, from David, he says, it takes a certain daring to shoot outdoors. A major studio could not have afforded a second unit working in the conditions under which we produce these shots, which is like over six, seven months. We were like a bunch of ragtag Eagle Scouts. <laughs> is a great yeah, quote, which is really true, true you know. Uh, you know, every day you go in and your, your body would just be covered with dust and dirt and, uh, yes. you know. Um, it would be in every part of your, yeah, digging out of your... Did, was there any... Do we have any disasters out there? Did anything happen that was... Uh, a, a complete failure. I don't remember any of that. I remember it was no. pretty consistently just working and getting our shot and began weather becoming an issue, but still. Yeah, right some days would be aborted because the yeah. wind would suddenly pick up. Right. Usually we'd always pick up at the end of the day mm -hmm. and we'd have to stop. Or if the rain, the, 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 um, the, the dry lake bed was like a clay. And if it got just a little bit wet, you're, you try and drive on it, your car would would start sliding a hydroplane. You know, would just it couldn't it couldn't gain purchase on on that that type of dirt. So if you saw it raining, everyone was like, "We're out of here," because otherwise you wouldn't get out. You'd be oh, stuck gee. on location for the night because you couldn't literally drive away. So well, that uh, made it interesting. Yeah, and I and my <laughs> my another big desert experience I had with working with Gore Vavinsky on Lone Ranger is that there are three months in all different. You know, we were in Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, and out in the desert, but it wasn't the same because we had, you know, we had our trucks, we had our, our facilities to get away from the, the dust and the wind and the weather. Whereas on Robot Shocks, not. You were out there, you had, there was no other place to go other than just to sit, you know, make it through. We had to camp it there because that, right. was, that was the established background. Yeah. There's, there are, there's actually I have a video of the location scouting where, he, where Dave went out with Bob Greenberg. He was a visual effects guy too. Uh, and they and you see the other locations they were considering, and mm -hmm. there's no way none of those would have worked as well as they were interesting locations, but they didn't have that flatness that we needed that uh, El Mirage had. Did we talk about forced perspective already? Did they? Did we discuss where how we would have the actors out in the desert, and again, that's why the lake bed works so well. Right. I mean, yeah, of course, uh, you know, yeah, I know you can make a broad assumption. People already understand that. But mm -hmm. obviously shooting outdoors, one of the great things about that is that you're going to be shooting. You can shoot down to a high f-stop, 11, 16. The higher you go, the more foreground to background is in focus. Right. So that was something that with models and miniatures you definitely mm -hmm. need. When you're in studio, it becomes you can do that as well, but it becomes long exposures and that sort of thing. And but when you got pyro and this is and you add all, and all that kind of stuff together, then it, it determined that we needed to do this uh, mm -hmm. outside. Right. So. I, I think a really good example of that. And in slow mo, which we have the light to do the slow mo as well. You, mm -hmm. you can go high f stop and slow mo. Uh, a really good example of the depth of field is, um, once again, the shot where Athena crawls out of the gantry pit, and uh, there are two technicians running back and forth as she's coming up over the edge. Uh, and you took the miniature of the gantry pit and the stuff behind it, and the hangar behind it, and had the guys way in the distance and held them both in focus. Right. And that was used as the background plate for the stop action. Yeah, right. That's why I remember that. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, now, did they shoot the live action at the same time, in the beginning, at the end? Where is the, the model process with, say, two years? Where was that live action shot? Do you know, did you know the... the uh, you know... As we never saw anything until afterwards. Right, yeah. I, I do believe... Uh, I think we were already shooting the miniature sequences when they were concurrently, while they were doing live action. 
Uh, it's one of the reasons why probably I didn't go over to supervise the blue screen. Spencer Gill from VCE went over and supervised those. Um, so uh, we were already had more than enough on our hands. So I think we were kind of, there was a bit of overlap on there. Um, uh, and there was, of course, the, the amount of time needed to get everything ready for to be, even be able to be shooting. I don't know. What was the period of time? Do you, do you recall? I mean, since you came in later, I'm not sure. I don't recall. The process was from start design to we're at the desert, we're shooting. I know that we, you know, even a year later, we were still starting to create new pieces. So there were pieces that were already being built and rebuilt and changed, but there were also brand new designs that came in that we started building on as well. Right. That's true and things, yeah, right. Well, and not every model is ready, camera ready. Uh, things are scheduled and storyboards are picked by the order, which right. makes sense. And we, as Dave noted, uh, we did stick fairly close to the boards unless David felt that uh, we could actually create something more cinematic or there would be cost prohibitive reasons we couldn't do something a certain way. So, um, did did you ever see, did you meet with the producers at all? Did you ever see them? Did they come? Yeah, by? Frank Hildebrandt. Yes, we, we yeah. met with. I met with him mostly. Yeah, uh, talking about uh, the uh, who the optical work and that sort of thing. At the time, there were a couple of companies under consideration. Uh, I th I'm, I know that visual concept engineering did most of the optical work. I'm not sure if anyone else did. That was kind of under that was kind of uh, under David Allen's purview and his decision. But uh, yeah, we did we did talk to them. But I think but David, of course, he's the he's the head honcho on the project, so he's the one that did most of the interfacing with the Empire. And with us as well. I mean, I ne Charlie. I've never met Stuart Gordon for the year I was there. Right. And Dave, it was David really saying, you know, driving this, uh, making us part of the process and making us feel like this is our film. I mean, I felt, like I was telling Paul, and Paul, that uh, I thought this was my film as well. I, even though I was obviously just an incidental part, and you know, I did the tank, I made the mechanism, me mechanics, the treads, I drove the tank, I puppeteered it. We did the chainsaw as well that comes out of the crotch. Which you and, see later. Right. And at that, I didn't, you know, there's so much there. This film is much bigger than you realize, and a lot of people put a lot of great time into it. Yeah, well, actually, on the location, uh, you know, I was obviously, at, we were still out there while they finished filming because Stewart did come out one day, and so did Gary Garam. I have pictures of them out there oh, nice. posing with the robots, so they did come out and visit us out there. I saw that online. Yeah, that's, that's on the yeah, you, you probably can Google it. That's right, you can. Mm -hmm. Has anybody uh, had any problems with working with David? There was one particular danger with working with David, and that is his sense of humor. Especially as a stop motion animator, oh, yeah. he'd come the, in and the, tell you a joke. The distraction. And, yeah, the distraction. He'd, he'd come in and tell you a joke, and you'd be laughing for a half an hour, and then you'd realize, hey, where was I? And remember, we didn't have frame grabbers in those days. You had to keep track of everybody, every little limb and right. whatever that you were moving in the scene <laughs> in your head or written down on paper. Well, you know, so, the reason he bothered you is because. He was one of the only animators I've ever worked with where I could come up, hey, Dave, while he's in the middle of a shot, and it never bothered him. But there's some animators <laughs> yeah, that will give you the, the look, uh, if looks could evil kill. Look. Evil, I've had that, yes. you know, but not from, never from Dave. Never he was from like, yeah, hey, what's up, you know? He was almost eager for distraction. 
know. He was definitely happy to. It made me feel comfortable going there, ask him because we were moving on. We we're trying to get things done, and you could you could interrupt. You could talk to him about it, and he was so good about talking about it. I know we're working on the big cable robots, and uh, David comes out for a shot, and I go, and so I've got the, the the big levers, and I'm pulling, and they just snap, and the ar- robot arms just go mm. like this. David's yeah. like. Kind of like the B9 in Lost in Space, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pull the power pack, yeah. Uh, uh, and it was just like, it was horrible because it was the first shot of the day. And it was supposed, this is, you know, we had numerous shots to shoot with this. And Dave looked at me and goes, okay. He goes, okay. Well, we'll have to, you know, you can tell, visually upset. Yeah. And the, so the next day he comes in and we're, we fixed everything that, that day and we got everything ready and we made sure it worked. And he goes, uh, what are you doing today, Rappaport? <laughs> and so you just, <laughs> and I said, "Oh no, we fixed it. It's gonna be great." He goes, "Okay," and, but that was one of the things that you would say about dooming. And it was, but he didn't do it. In a, it wasn't a way to cut you down. It was just, it was a dry sense of humor, and it was fun. And as long as you didn't do it again, right. it was great. Yeah, we should talk about how the methods of, of live action propulsion of these robots. I mean, often it was simply uh, somebody. If it was a close up of a leg, there's someone obviously off camera. Uh, manipulating the leg, there was there was a huge uh, scaffolding we had for the four-legged, where it was uh, manipulated around and on top. Mm-hmm. I know Roy Good was a big part of that as well. You know, he was a. He, uh, I've I've once while I run to him on a, on a film set somewhere, but he was a big part of that motivator as well for that. Was Roy? Those big robots. Roy, uh, yeah, Roy. Yeah, Roy Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was he was uh, excellent. He yeah, did he a was. fantastic job. And I mean, he really put up with the weather and. Everybody put up with the yeah. way. Oh, and I, I guess I'll quickly mention that we, um, Mark McGee uh, instigated a uh, practical joke. We, we went to this restaurant, uh, and it was called um, the Cask and Cleaver, which we nicknamed the uh, uh, Cadaver and Casket. And um, anyway, he was, wouldn't it be funny if someone came out, because we always left uh, a, somebody wa- uh, a watcher, a guard, uh, at the site, you know, staying in, one, in Dave's uh, mobile home, probably. Yes. And... Um, wouldn't it be funny if someone came out and like hid the robot, came the next morning and and uh, made it seem as if it had been stolen and see what happened? You know, how would this guy react, right? And we're all thinking, yeah, that's pretty funny. In fact, it's so funny we're going to do it. And so to Mark McGee's horror, we all uh, jumped into my van and we went out and we and the robots were actually still on the platform. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that we'd leave them out there overnight. I mean, <laughs> would you do that today? I don't think so. And I th- saw this could have happened. It's totally plausible. Yeah. And so we took one of the robots, and I stuck it in my van, and we came back next morning, and, uh, and, and the guy comes out, and we're like, everyone thinks it's normal. He's not even aware it's gone, even still. And we're like, hey, where's the, where's the other robot? And he goes, what? Uh, what? I, I, I don't know. I said, come on. Yeah, come on. You've hidden this robot. What have you done with it? You, it we pretended as though he was pulling a practical joke on us. And, and we, we started having this guy freaked out, and we were like, oh, my God. I, it, uh, you know, Dave's going to be livid when he sees us. And suddenly in, in the dust in the distance, we see David's car coming. And he said, we're like, we wouldn't want to be you when David gets here. And the guy uh, the guy gets into his truck. He's ready to take off. I forgot the crew guy's name. He's a red-haired guy on the crew. I, yeah. I and, uh, uh, and the guy's getting ready to take off. He's like, oh, my God. He doesn't want to face up to the music kind of thing. And, uh, and then I said, hey, uh, come over and help me for a second before you go. And I had the ro- he had, uh, to help me take the robot out of the van put it back on the table so anyway he was uh, highly relieved but but we really I remember it was Mark, kind of a cruel practical yeah. joke and Mark McGee what he was a, a, I remember he kept things also enjoyable and funny and he had a dry sense of humor as yeah. well 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, at first I didn't get along with. At first, I was like, who is? It? I hadn't met him before, mm-hmm. and he was seemed kind of bossy, you know. So I'm like, who is this guy? But then, you know, to know Mark is to love him. Actually, he's very, very funny. In fact, as Chris Endicott had pointed out, you know, whenever, whenever we always knew when Dave was talking with Mark on the phone back at the office because you know Dave would be laughing heartily at something Mark would say. Mark is Mark is a writer. He's written numerous industry books, and a very smart guy, very knowledgeable guy, good writer. And uh, and funny, funny like Dave. So they, those two were like two peas in a pod, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when those Old two were buddies. together. It was great. It yeah. was always uh, enjoyable for us. You know, you, when you do a job like this, it's so long. It's if you can find some fun with it and laugh, you know, it really makes it the whole process not only more fun to do, but it, it, it but it, it, you know, the, the it keeps morale up and it keeps the energy level going, and it's very. Uh, conducive to the operation, you know, it really, it really helps uh, move things along, you know. Yeah, I don't even think we had craft service out there. I believe we just had water. But it didn't... Well, nobody... no, we had soda. It was yes. all sodas. That's right. And so, then everyone said, yeah, you yeah. know, soda's out in the desert. Right. After a while, everyone had this sort of dry tongue, you know, horrible. So it's like, well, all we want is water. Give us water. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, of course, that's very cheap to oblige with. Right. But it we would... remember we went to that one place... Uh, had our we used to call them lumber burgers, mm-hmm. and uh, and somebody would always put Patsy Cline walking after midnight on the on the jukebox, and uh, after a while Mark reminded me yesterday that he finally told uh, Dave you know these guys are eating lumber burgers every day you know you might <laughs> want to get them something a little better so I think the food did quality did go up after that but it was yeah. still fun because it was this yes it was this kind of log cabinish kind of place out in the and you and David that's what David made you feel like you're part of it. So you felt like, again, I was saying, it felt like it was part of your film. Whatever you did, what you did mattered. And working with David made it uh, enjoyable. And it, it was such a great, you know, it makes you want to work in film. And, and it makes you want to feel like, you know, you see the films and they talk about it in movies and how movies are wonderful to work on. Well, that's Robot Jocks. And that's working with David. And, you know, Paul Gentry and Paul Jessel as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I was back in the studio in Burbank. <laughs> All by myself while you guys were partying in the desert. So you see, our plan worked. <laughs> we kept Paul hidden away. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, now, if the viewers want to get a image of what David's uh, RV vehicle looked like, just drive around L.A. And any of the homeless people that are living in RVs, that's what it looked like. Just like one of those. Oh, you, the, the, the RV he had? Yeah, he bought it used. <laughs> Very used. Yeah. Yeah, it was none too uh, luxurious. No, yeah. no. In fact, I know for a while I brought my, my own parents' RV out there, and it was this decided step up. Yeah, it was. So. I thought it was from the Deverly Hillbillies, that truck there. But he will. It, that, it, it, was, it made work. It all worked. And it, was, it, was it did great. have that same charm, though. Yeah, it, it, you're right. Yeah. yeah, where's Jed Clampett? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> Rocking on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we want to mention any of the other crew notables or? Uh... Well, I you know I, I was going through that myself. You know, it's been so many. They were just all hardworking yeah. guys, and yeah. you know. Who and were... they had and some had a lot of experience. Some had very little experience. Yeah. But I don't remember. I don't remember any behavior attitudes. We were, you know, now when you work on set, you think, oh, I can't stand being around that guy. But I don't remember that on. <laughs> oh, but maybe it's been years no. ago. But. Well, I, had a, I brought a friend of mine on, Jerry Osteen, and, and uh, he took care of manicuring. You know, the most thankless job on the whole crew had to be manicuring that platform, but he did it with glee. He was a very down-to-earth 
uh-huh. kind of guy. And uh, and but you know that was very important to, to, for blending purposes. So uh, and did a great job. Hmm. <laughs> so we had really all types. Uh, and Michael oh, was it Michael Osborne Ozdog? Remember him? He's like this big skater guy. You know, he does all these, uh, which is uh, you. I don't know even know where some of these crew guys came from or how they got hired, but uh, <laughs> uh, but he was he, they were like I say whatever they were hired for they came from all over definitely everyone worked their butts off to get uh, to achieve the goal. Yeah, I was looking at the the online photos and there were no gray hairs. Which now when I'm on set, there's all these gray hairs. But back then there was nobody. It was no, nobody young, had gray hair know, back in those guys, days. Yeah. yeah. Now it's fairly common. Yeah, very much so. Right. I don't think we mentioned that this is the first movie at least shot not in Japan of uh, transforming robots. It's That's right. Well, like, no one ever, no one tried this. This is the only film, live action film, that ever tried right. to do transforming robots. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons we're here, because it does stand out for being that... You know, at the time. Right. We were talking about of all the films, uh, I think Empire and Charlie Band films we worked on, this is kind of is a special case. You know, and I think people now maybe weren't as kind to it then, but they're a little more responsive now because it's just, this is a, uh, it's like Gone with the Wind, this sort of t- uh, approach. <laughs> it is. It's just charming in its own way, you yeah, know. It's true. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> I. I look, yes. Uh, I'm looking for only the positive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think when I interject statement, that's kind of in the David Allen yeah, tradition. Exactly. Right? You know, you pump yourself up and then flatten yourself <laughs> down the next, you know, pride before fall. That was always one of his favorite concepts. He had a bunch of funny, uh, hilarious uh, sayings. There was always one of the statements he made to Joe during shooting was, uh, uh, when something wasn't working, he says, uh, that system you're using, Joe, is not working for unlucky people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds and, like David. And then the uh, the camcorder, which went down at one point, we had, had it repaired. He says, and I was joking, the cost of the, re- and where the repair technician would tell him, well, the cost of the repair is equal to the cost of just buying a new one, Mr. Allen. Uh, so, you know, there was... That's what, that wasn't David. He, his, his facility was full of this wonderful old equipment that yeah. he loved to eat. He, I think he cherished it. I, I would always he look did, at totally. it. He did, totally. There were pieces from the, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s that were, it was amazing. It was wonderful. It was like he gleefully was getting yes. away with something yes. by using old gear. Uh, uh, was it the, uh, we used to have a saying, tomorrow's, uh, yesterday's technology at tomorrow's prices? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But David also had a very superstitious side to him, yes, too. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, coming up soon is yeah. the inf- infamous gantry Dave, pit sequence. Dave animated that shot of the elevator coming up. I, I know I did. That. Probably, yeah. I did a wire. I did, did some pulling of the elevator. I'm not sure if it looked right, but um, did he, anim- he animated that stop motion that... That little elevator, wow. yeah, everything, even the doors. I, I animated the. I did do an animation shot. Actually, the doors opening up, overhead, which we saw earlier, actually in the first battle. But here we go. Yeah. The audience is going. When was another battle coming? Come on, and here it is. So that's it's how we up. felt as well. This is the <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. The climactic battle. Uh-huh. Enough gabbing. Let's get 
exploding, shooting. Oh yeah, this is Anna Marie Johnson uh, yeah. taking over the robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, we, this, the climbing sequences, which were done also live action, were actually done back in front of the old uh, victory stage that we were at. Oh yeah. We'd, we'd set up the gantry or the uh, yeah the gantry box out in front. I remember that, and that's. Well, I remember being on the roof as well of David Allen's studio, mm -hmm. shooting some stuff, looking up in the sky. We so may have done some stuff, but I I, I do remember we shot okay. this, the scene where she's climbing up, mm -hmm. and she whacks at the at the uh, the gantry arm thing with the elevator and uh, knocks it over and then goes climbing up. That yeah. was actually done yeah. right. where the robots, I think a lot of the construction was done, and where the opening sequence was shot, the big, long, a winter yeah. shot. We're back in Italy. I think we are. <laughs> they constructed houses really well in those days. <laughs> well, th and that is in Japanese tradition, the sort of paper-thin, wafer-thin, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he can't get out the door, but he couldn't. Go, he could go through the wall, but he doesn't really. Want right, to. and and that's what they thought an iPhone would look like there on the <laughs> right. table. I was gonna say, it kind of looks like a Lisa. But I don't know what that uh, or yeah, what that was. But maybe a little television. Oh, here we go. Uh, the old-fashioned RC. What was it you were saying they used a they used a um, glue gun, painted yeah. silver. Yeah, one of the sequences you'll see them running around with the glue guns painted silver. It's an optical. It's a shot. futuristic weapon. Future. <laughs> I think I saw that in Pong. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, there it goes. Oh yeah, here we go. So-called futuristic graphics. <laughs> <laughs> that was always a tough one back in the '80s. Uh, stuff we take for granted now. Yeah. I once toured the, Interpr the Enterprise sets at Paramount, and they had. And is they're all in plain sight? It's just all regular displays, you know, but uh, mm. LCD dis displays. But uh, graphics have come a long ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, to you new guys who are involved in film and effects, you kind of you missed out in the, the 80s and early 90s are really wonderful. Yeah, it's like missing out on the Beatles in the exactly. 60s. You know, exactly. You it's all, you know, it's up to you to do the job and make it look right on film. And, you, and nothing, there's no digital to save you or visual effects to save you. I don't think there's any greater satisfaction, too, in getting stuff in camera. Yeah, there's, that's got to, you know, which even Chris Nolan tries to do now, right. you know, we'll so. See you the next day. Yeah. Matter of fact, we just shot with Inurito again on, on Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio, and he was very much wanting to get away from the visual, uh, all that digital and visual Green effects. screen, blue Green screen, screen yeah. yeah. So we were out there doing a lot of things very uh, old style, old school. Yeah, all these techniques in this movie really harken back uh, King Kong, you know, I mean, 1933. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, very old school. Here we go. Animated, yep. all animated. I think we probably had no, a couple, I think, couple I think animators. They, so, yeah. I think that they had, no, that wasn't animated. Yeah. That was full size, wasn't it? It's full size, but all the doors and, oh. and the lift, those were all animated up. Oh. Yeah. As was that. Yeah. We just didn't have a way to propel this stuff. That's now, that's the shot outside the, Someone's you know, trying to hijack the robot. Mm -hmm. using natural light. There was That was yeah. actually using real sunlight. No, don't endanger your men. Shoot to kill. Back in Italy. Coming up is where she uh, climbs up the... Uh, yeah, 
climbs out of the gantry pit. Yeah. And it's the infamous scene where I got rained out, the weight broke on the wire and <laughs> wrecked the pot on the back of the robot. Another blue screenshot. With the... Yes. We were, during the, uh, the preview that we saw of this film, we all started clapping at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we should and remember talking because now we're starting to enjoy it again. That's but it. Uh, Yeah, here. when they, they cut to the video screens, that's all stop action. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it has the, the forced perspective of the little guys running. Yeah, that looked cool on the on the video. It's always yeah, nice when you like that. It's See the cool. little guys down there? Yeah, you, that's, yeah. Our, that's, exactly. our, that's our guys out in the desert uh -huh. running. Yeah. Yeah, but it adds something. With the white paper suits on. Yeah. That was a good shot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a neat shot. She said she put you to sleep. Your robot has taken the field. That constitutes a legal challenge. Achilles is not in command of the robot. Our fighter is not in there. Identity of the fighters is not our responsibility. What was funny is that David Allen would record on Super 8 film uh, like say a robot movement that he was going to animate uh, to use as kind of a rotoscope reference so he'd see how the timing it would take to and you'll see, you're going to see some shots here of the robot walking and I made to me they, they make me laugh because I remember seeing the Super 8 footage and it it's a really an exact duplication of what David was doing the sort of you know walk with the, uh, the uh, cycle that he uh, was copying from himself you know as a uh, stop motion reference. I remember David actually uh, having he was actually editing the film in his shop at the you know other parts of the day as well. He'd run the f footage from that night and he'd start editing it. Well, there were so many. There were multiple takes on yeah, everything. That's, that's right. the that's the other luxury of shooting live action. We could shoot more than one take. Animation usually got one take, um, and you moved on. But uh, uh, so. You know, if something doesn't quite work out, or or maybe an earlier take later on occurs to you, it works better. You know, you are able to basically uh, uh, mix and match and pick the best. Uh, and when you and you're working with pyro, that was definitely the case. There were just certain moments that were spot on and beautiful, and other moments that were total misfires. Uh, just running the movie Ola was a you know one was a little more, there's a bit of history more contraption right there. Oh yeah, and, and he had some. Uh, I think I think he had a moviola that had been used in King Kong, actually. Yeah, I think he might it was be like right. this big black thing, and the speaker yeah, just looked like yeah. something from the 30s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now we're mesmerized by the scenes. What's, so, what's going to happen next? So most of the actors here are just going on blind faith that the rest of this movie is going to hold up to whatever they're doing, you know? There comes a moment here where we're this character uh, jumps off the and commits suicide. And I hope that's not a spoiler. Um, <laughs> but it's a down angle shot. We did a thing and it's basically a teeny little photograph that's raised up by washers to give it some, and, he, and you see him splattered on the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. It's coming up here. Uh, and, oh, he hit already and, and there he is. That's just a little teeny, Photograph of the, really the, the actor laying on the. That looks ground. great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's small. It was like two or three mm -hmm. inches, you know. <laughs> this had a, this had a rod support that was pushing it up. And this is a good example of where the smoke just had to be just so to cover it, you know. Yeah. Same here, and you can 
Yeah, and so Jeez. now this was cutting edge for the day. This, you know, people. I mean, the model work in this is excellent. Yeah, I mean, the big scale robots are really neat. Yeah. This, you know, this has certainly fun to shoot. Yeah. Oh, and here's just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the fact he's in the dark. Uh huh. You know, just certain the. It's a nice reveal for a villainous uh, character. I, I love this design as well. Yeah. Great design. Yeah. yeah. This guy, Ron and Steve, mm. great job. As you would expect from the guys who did, or, the, or Ron, who did Alien and so many other films. Oh, th yeah, this is great. I love the moment where the, yeah. the legs come flying up in, in slow-mo and all the dust and dirt kick up. And... and I've got one of my favorite parts coming up here where uh, we spent uh, many a week developing this technique. Yeah, I love all these weapons and just the, you know. Yeah. That's yes. Great. And that was a, you know, obviously an optical. Mm -hmm. And that, I love that. Uh -huh. So great. And then that's back to stop great. motion. Yeah. Stop motion. Yeah. And then we had this sort of piston thing that's coming up where he's banging at the. Yeah, I love that. Which is uh, a very yeah, cool. I remember seeing, seeing mm -hmm. that you guys doing that in the stop motion in the in the studio. And it's a mix. It goes to live action, yeah. so you see the pyro, uh, um, you know, yeah, from the impact. Something we can't do is, oh yeah, uh, I, I made this. So many cuts. And then we we did this live action yeah. as well, right here. So many cuts. That's yeah. crazy. So many different, yeah, several different. I took, know. I put lead sheeting around that, so that we just great. cut through. And actually, we actually, it was practical. We did a lot of practical work on that. Mm -hmm. It was a nicely, it, it was really a nice well. little moment, yeah. you know. And I used a, uh, a chainsaw some uh, pieces from a chainsaw as well to help cut through it. Did you? <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. That's a Paul yeah. Jessel shot. Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, this isn't a Paul Jessel shot. This isn't though. you? No. Was that David? Uh, I think so. Because I don't think anybody but you and David yeah. animated yeah. on it, so. Yeah, I think that's David. Sorry, Paul. It's okay. On the other hand, it's so long ago, it might have been me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been almost 30 years, you know, yeah. so. I think David would be good either way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And here he goes. That was a nice little model, too. I don't know who built the... The car? The car. This, this is a full-size one that was built right. in Italy, but we had a small wasn't, one. Wasn't Harvey Mayo? I thought, no, Harvey I did a lot of right. those, the, those pieces. And, the, and there's also a ref floater right, that was which, never used in the movie. Oh, wasn't it? Because Never used. Oh, because it, it was, was so beautiful. beautiful. It was and, beautiful. And, and the same collector who owns... Uh, Carl, who owns uh, uh -huh. um, the Outer Space Achilles, he has, and the, he owns the two stuff. Oh, really? He owns that too. Major fan of, uh, oh, that's great. of the movie. Oh, was that the? Oh, we just saw the. I yeah, remember this little model we made for to put inside the cockpit. That, the last minute we put an actual. Yeah, what's not always as successful is uh, exactly. you know, <laughs> is a little puppet character uh -huh. subbing for the actor. And here we go. Yeah. Well, since we didn't shoot elements in VistaVision, the you know a lot of the opticals are varying quality. And but, you know, budget and time. Yeah. Here. So isn't it this ref loader he made, right here, the, the little miniature one? Yeah. Though I think that was an. I think that looked like an optical to me. I, I believe. Well, maybe, but I believe he actually made the little miniature that they put in there. 
and they actually, well. Oh, who are you talking about, Harvey? Yeah, Harvey. Yeah, I, yeah. he may have made the rough loader too, yeah. yeah. All the little incidental uh, miniatures. We always loved his line coming up here about squash you both like bags. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like bags? No, like bags. <laughs> bags? You mean like a shopping bag? No, bags. Anyway. Crews always usually pick up on something in a movie and... Uh, yeah, right that's the, the classic line from this movie. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> it. Was Paul Coslow? He's he's uh, he, we had a recent screening of it, Cine Family Theater with Stuart and a bunch of us. Emery Johnson was there, and he was there, and uh, Carolyn Gordon was there, and it was a really fun, very receptive audience. They, now this film has gotten a little more appreciation because there's only one like it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you can see the work that went into it. Yeah, it was a labor of love for all concerned. Even though I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> yeah, that that often happened, doesn't doesn't it? You don't know. Yeah, see, that's the, the, I remember doing this ref loader, crushing it on the day in the desert, oh, yeah. and having put it back together again. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. For a retake. For a retake. Yeah, because you yeah. And never quite looked the same. No, wait a minute. I bet that was the first shot you shot. And you needed to sh the thing together to shoot all the other shots. <laughs> that's usually the way it works in films. <laughs> I would probably say that of all the models we had, that ref floater took it the worst. Yes. Yeah. Uh, looks like it. Oh yeah. Here we are, just you know, literally pushing robots stop over motion. in, in the slow mo, back to stop motion. Now these. Okay, are this is the scene here where the uh, stainless steel washers snap like glass. And I had to do this shot like three times before oh, we got the washers to that's a great shot. Yeah, stick great shot. together, yeah. You gotta love up angles. I just wondered how they could do it. And I wanted to start I, I did that this cable. Is fun. So we did all these cable pulls that open these up. We're going to outer space. Yeah, I love this outer space work. It You had to say that just because the other Paul <laughs> did that. <laughs> this is this, <laughs> I did the, so these are all again we shot she gave you shot it in slow motion but I, these were just cable pulls yeah. and cables down below I even love the crap on the lens in that yeah, yeah. Was great Dennis Gordon told me this was his favorite sequence in the movie so I, that was like nice um, you know, Dennis was a big part of this film totally yeah, was, totally big yeah. yeah you know other things like reflections and all kinds of things would be nice to add today but uh, this is the first motion control I ever did in my entire life. We were shooting this at Visual Concept Engineering when they were in Hollywood. At the same time, in the next room over, they were shooting Beetlejuice inserts, which looked totally weird and crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, uh, I had to come up with inventive ways to create flickering lights and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it was, you can see mats. Ooh. Yeah, but you don't, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm blessed with the gift, the That's eye. That's a neat explosion. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah. Actually, my favorite shots from here was this distant shot where you see the ship, you see Achilles in the distance. I remember you, know, you telling me that before. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of wasn't this one, but which is good. But. Now there were stop motion models of these size, this size as well, correct? Yes, it was the same same model. model yeah. Except it was. Just, oh, was it the same model? Yeah. Well, no, no it wasn't it was the same model, but it was made from the same parts. Right. It was made from the same, the same parts. Same new ca different casting. Yeah, it was it was a rigid yeah. casting right. as a spaceship mm -hmm. as a spaceship mode. Uh, this yeah. shot, I love this shot. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just think it's just. 
That's kind of and, the and poor man's Star Wars. I think it's yeah. Poor man, yeah. yeah. And that, that's all stock footage here mm-hmm. that Stuart used, which works pretty well. And then when the robot I like comes, the crash. I mean, it's great the way it throws up the dirt and stuff. And right, and the crash was was on this long wire rig, and it was hang- like this. this one here, yeah. yeah, I like I like this. Really yeah, neat. Great. Looks real. Very nice. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. And it has at all. you know a certain Thunderbirds, Jerry Anderson kind of feeling. No, it's you know? better yeah, than it's that. Better, it's really yeah, good. I agree. Yeah. It didn't f- well, and the other stuff that's really nice is when he when he changes into a tank and that tank attacking the uh, Well, I built that tank. Yeah. And I and to run that tank, I put two Makita drills and I put it to the so I put it to um, I, I direct drove it with uh, with gears and that's how I ran that tank. And I just made the pieces as light as oh, possible. Oh, these are the killers. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite shots of yours, Paul, is coming up. Remember you did the fist kind of, and it does this real swoopy thing. Yeah. And you actually tried to redo it again, and it never had that same quality. But it's, and the, so that first take, I think, is in the film. Mm-hmm. It's just got a really cool feel to it. It's very, you know, it feels dangerous, mm-hmm. you know. It's yeah. Just, this again, these more. are folding puppets that we did. This was great fun. I think with this film, this moment got a, a little bit of a chuckle out of audience just because, more because what, yeah. what it ends up being. Yeah. And then we, you know, just making all these pieces ahead. This took us a long time. I Tanked. bet. Yeah. Tank mode. Yes. Here we yeah. had to decide, where are we going to put these hands? The hands have to go somewhere. <laughs> so we had to put that insert out of that. That's just a chain and rubber track on top oh, of yeah. it. And, you know, there's a whole thing. And I couldn't believe that the Makitas would run this thing. It was 40 I can't to, believe it either. It's like 40 <laughs> to 50 pounds of. Yeah. Now that looks cool. That yeah. looked cool. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. as much there. But yeah, that's uh, the one I was telling you about cool the down angle. Yeah. Down angle on miniature is never as a happy. No, I liked it. I yeah, okay, good. Yeah. So. <laughs> is this all Ooh, Fuller's Earth? <laughs> Fuller's Earth. Yeah. Wherever we could. We're literally looking down on the dry lake bed here, which uh-huh. you see was very pretty uniform. Yeah. You know, so that was a good thing for us. Here we go. We're coming up to one of Mark's greatest contributions. Yes. The, the crotch saw. I would have never thought that it would have <laughs> such notoriety. <laughs> but it was fun build, building it, I have to say. Um, I felt like a, like a mechanic. Here we go. Oh, after. no. That's, oh, I love that's, this. That's I love that, too. That. Yeah, yeah. I like this stuff. Even that. Yeah, that's, I think that really worked out well. We had to build. I actually had these old kind of like gunner ball bearing lazy Susan mounts, and we mounted the robot on that to there be able go. to get these nice turns and rolls and things. So that compound, oh, there we go. That compound movement was much more difficult than it looks. Yeah. I bet. So that's just a chainsaw. We just, you know, obviously. But that also was a crowd pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is to crack this up because we're, like, so upset that the, the big one was so not real looking. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, more... And all that, we're, actually, that was all practical. All the door, it opened and closed. The doors opened and closed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky stuff. Oh. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, coming up shortly is where the robot walks over the camera. And if you look at the legs, you will see the strobing. This was, this was done to try and match what we did uh, in uh, Italy. And that was a full-sized foot. And wow. apparently... I got the feeling they didn't have him on a wire. They, uh, I think Stuart said they had him way up in the air. Mm. And he was kind of a little fearful <laughs> for his life. <laughs> um, They'd be surprised. But it, it's not a bad match. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. 
I like this. I actually like this moment where it's kind of clever. He goes, to, it's a, it's a, he uses the fist by the, the same evil guy's fist to defeat him. That's no, beautiful. It was a, yeah, it was a good yes. moment. Yes. Yeah, this is. That's yeah. an optical. Uh, Great. But. I didn't realize you had many opticals in this. Ooh, I love that. We, were, we deliberately. Here right we go. Here. Here's no. This isn't the one walking over the. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. This fist didn't quite match ours either. It but. didn't. But now here comes the one of Paul Gent. No, this is my shot. Oh, I love that. Oh, the little clank in the foreground. That's great. And stop Gentry, when he activates uh, uh, the claw and the claw opens, Paul Gentry did that shot. That's true. Yep. Another little this is piece. my shot. I'm surprised you forgot. That's right. Well, I, yeah. Damn, I did more than I thought. I know. <laughs> there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, that took, that was masterful animation. It sure was. Yeah. Did that get him into the union? <laughs> is there an animator's union? Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I think it's like Prop 44, right? Yeah. That's where they put everybody, including yeah. David. That's This is there's the one uh, over there. Oh, there's, I see the shift. I yeah. see what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. That you brief. Can you can totally fix that, too. Yeah, I know. That brief That brief scene took me a week and a half. Week and a half. Yeah. This is great. I love this. And then the, the moment where the fist swoops in is just great. Yeah. It's scary. That. I yeah, love that's that. that's great. <clears throat> we love this shot as well. Yeah. It's got a lot of, yeah! This was that, this, this is, is really neat. <laughs> it is a really neat, this I is was, literally the last shot yeah, we I, did. I was not there for this, and I wish I had been. That looked and great. What was nice is the robot kind of fell forward a little bit, so when it came out the back, I mean, it was composed perfectly, and we, we had no control over that. <clears throat> but now that robot was made specially for that scene. It was lightweight, right. it was taller. Was it? Right, it yeah. was, yeah. Oh, okay. It wasn't, so. And literally, it was just, I think it was on a, on a, on a, so another kind of a, uh, a special yeah. little rig that literally yeah. could be yes. uh, removed and it would just drop. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Now, can, of, I believe Roy Wigood was a part of that process that made that work. Another reason why you had model kits made. Right. <laughs> That's right. You keep using those, uh -huh. casting up those parts. I remember just, there were just, I know, and we just kept on casting parts. I don't mm -hmm. know what for, but we just did it. And it turned out we used a lot of them. Yeah, every approach imaginable. Uh, from low tech, uh, maybe approaching high tech, probably with a Moco being high tech, but everything was pretty low tech. You know, it, it, because it seemed like the stuff in outer space and the, in the you know this classic stop motion. It was I just seemed like there was a lot of good. A little pieces. bit of everything of yeah. the day, yeah. Mm -hmm. The one thing I wish we had it had a little longer in the practical area is digital compositing. You know, it would have made a huge. You wouldn't have the, the generation loss. You wouldn't have math mm -hmm. problems. You wouldn't have a lot of issues. But in the day, was that expensive to do? You couldn't. We, it wasn't even available. I, 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 did, I did some of the first optical compositing on Monthly Christmas Carol. And that was a computer film company uh, working with Yannick Sirs, who later on went to do The Matrix. All right. Yeah, and got an Oscar. Um, <laughs> but he was, uh, you know, we were using Unix line commands, and it was very... You know, uh, they did a fantastic job, but there wasn't a lot of, this is 92, and this movie was done in, you know, 88. Yeah. Or actually more like 87. Which, this movie? Yeah, we started in 86, and I believe the effects, I think 80s, it may have gone into 88. Yeah, because I came down here for Killer Clowns. Yeah. Uh, worked on that for 87. Mm. And then I went to this in 88, I believe, or just the, the year after 
So about a year after they already started on it, I came in and started working on it. Right. I still see Killer Clowns is doing. It's going strong. It, I think it was a. I love what the Kyoto Brothers do, and I think that was a great film. And they finally moved. Did they really? Yeah, they have. They're in a new place now. A lot of people like this ending, which is kind of upbeat. And this was kind of still Cold War time when this was done. I'm probably, I'm sure Stewart went over those uh, story points. I can see Obama and I can see uh, Putin here. Yeah, I mean, this is a thinly, very thinly disguised US, USSR <laughs> exactly. confrontation. So, yeah, it's uh, surprising that that theme hasn't grown grown old. Yeah, the, yeah I know. It's still here it's with us. It's, we're still having a... I know. Yeah, Russian accents kind of give away the <laughs> ghost or yeah. whatever. I had, uh, it's a good stereotype. I had the poster <laughs> for Robot Jocks uh, in my studio room at uh, um, Imageworks, Sony Pictures Imageworks, and we have a really good Russian animator, <laughs> digital animator. And he walked in the room and he, he says, oh, I love that picture. Did, where did you get it? I said, well, I worked on it. I was the lead animator, and he says, you're kidding me. I just so love that picture. I... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the it's Russians it. just ate it up. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Well, I I believe I still have some of the old blueprints from the the uh, of the uh, the the original designs, which often Well, I saw some. I, when I yeah. looked at the video, I saw these huge Yes. We also on, made small on ones, too. Yeah, just yeah. to have them, so yeah. they do different model makers get different ones, yeah. and I believe I still have a, a few of them. I remember talking to, to Dennis about them because I had a, a few of these still left in my possession. Right, and uh, I, I have a big flat file. I have to go through and check them out. Probably a lot of people would like to have that. Yeah, I wouldn't time. mind having a, yeah both plans, a okay. copy of them. I'll, uh, but I'll you know, them. it's amazing that the Japanese haven't come up with a real great model kit of those robots. Yeah, they do with everything like else. Bondi, I mean, when I yeah. see the laser blast models, yeah, it's are like out, the John Berg models, and those robot designs are some of the best ever. Ever, yeah. I mean, true. they're better than Pacific Rim. They were <laughs> no, really. I mean, they're I they're really that. neat looking. Well, they're more true to the, I think the original Transformer ethic, you know, too. Yeah. in the design, but they did take it. There, there was a lot more detail in the, in, in the RoboJocks models than in some of those models, but yeah. So how many years ago is this now? It's like I say, it's been it's almost the 30th anniversary, yeah. and it's 2015 at the moment. <laughs> you know, I just think that uh, we really miss David. David did, was, yeah. you know, there's so many wonderful films working with David that we worked yeah. on together. Oh, and there's the assistant animator, so Kim Blanchett. Uh, oh yeah, yeah I remember Kim, that. Right. Yeah. There's Donna. So these are the Tim people. Conrad. I remember Tim was a great model maker. So Ron Nelson, another great model maker. Yeah, you know, it was great. Good people. Oh, and Tibor, yeah. yeah um, but yeah, I mean, oh, this is really this this movie was possible be largely because of David Allen, yes. and uh, and that was he was the guy that drove this whole project and uh, uh, made it enjoyable so much for all of us. We can't say it enough. We say it a lot, but uh, he he passed away in 1999 and uh, at age 54. And uh, there's not a person who knew David doesn't horribly miss him today. Um, and you know that with David would have gone on to do some really wonderful work as well, and you wanted to, yeah. to to see that and be that be part of it with him because you know we'd be lucky to do it. And yes. John Beekler, 
Don Bickler. And Joe Viscoso there. Yeah, yeah. He also passed away. Uh, Joe Viscoso did? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I did not know that. Passed away a few months ago. Last year, I think, 2014. Mm-hmm. Unexpectedly, I must say, everyone was uh, a little shocked. Shocked, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, oh, and Fra- yeah, Frank Serafini. We had some really great, yeah. I mean, there are a lot, if you look at these credits, a lot of these people went on to, you know, doing lots of really uh, cool projects also. Mm-hmm. Not least of which some of us here. Um, this was uh, still working, which is always good. This was probably my last big project working with Dave. After this, I, Chris Indicott came in and kind of was working with Dave as sort of a right-hand man. That was sort of my function. But no, but you, I didn't see it. Was that way? I thought you were always the camera operator. I mean, you were doing. You were actual real cameraman. Yeah. You're the DP, and that was right. what. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I think we did some few other things. But uh, uh, Fortress in early in '91. Right. Well, Dave right. was going to do that. And that was mm-hmm. just Stuart Gordon. I ended that's up right. doing it instead, and that was kind of where I kind of like splintered mm-hmm. off. Transitioned off. Yes. I did come back later. We did the full moon thing back in then, mm-hmm. then in '94, '95. Yeah. Anyway, thanks everybody. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a thank pleasure you. sitting there watching Robot Jocks again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you for liking the film. <laughs>